Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Today is September the 18th. It is a Monday. We're getting started with the week, leaving the microphone on mute. What a way to start, huh? Thanks so much for Ryan Matta. Uh, thank you guys for all joining me. And if you enjoy what you are hearing, please make sure you hit that like button. The Kyle Serafin Show streaming to you live from Liberty Hill, Texas, America, which is now strangely the home of Adam Kinzinger. I guess he has abandoned his communist ways and decided to put on a Texas Stetson. He's going to ride the range out here with the Serafin Show. He's going to try to be an American uh, while he simps for Ukraine. Which is a strange thing to do. Anybody who knows Adam Kinziger's story, he got uh, run out of Congress. He's like the Liz Cheney of Texas now. Liz Cheney was able to get into office in Wyoming. I think Kinzinger thinks he's going to do the same thing down here in uh, a very purple area of Texas. Kind of gross. Kind of a gross thing to think about. We're going to be talking about a whole bunch of stuff today. We're going to be talking about uh, FACE Act, which is the Free Access to Clinic Entrances Act and how it is being used and weaponized. Many of you guys know that. If you've seen our show with Mark Haupt, that's not going to be strange or uh, shocking to you. We're also going to see, I think, uh, President Trump putting his uh, his foot in his mouth. And I got a real problem with it. I'll tell you why. So we're going to get into that in just a little bit. Uh, people will want to defend him, but I think it is a difficult thing to defend. He needs to be smarter. He needs to be sharper. And I'm not sure if he's going to be able to do that. So hopefully we can get something a little better out of that. Uh, and then lastly, we're going to talk about acquittals. We're going to discuss the impeachment of Ken Paxton, which is something obviously important in, in Texas. And we're going to talk about the acquittals of folks that happened in the Gretchen Whitmer case. That's something that is important to the whole country, but also specifically where Ryan Matta lives out there in Michigan. So before further ado, let's uh, let's get started with a little thank you. I want to say thanks to our sponsor. The OG sponsors of the Kyle Serafin Show is our friends over at Patriot Coolers, patriotcoolers.com. Um, I cannot tell you how much I use a Patriot cooler. It is literally every day, multiple times a day. We take it with us when we go to church. Use promo code Kyle, K-Y-L-E. That'll get you 10% off. And you can pick up any number of their uh, their fantastic products. I use their tumblers literally every day for coffee. I use it for water. I use it for smoothies. We transport it. My wife was uh, sipping on a Patriot cooler when she was in labor. <laughs> it was what I was keeping her hydrated with while she was nursing the baby the first couple days. PatriotCoolers.com, promo code Kyle, K-Y-L-E. That's that 10% off code. I think I'm actually going to go and purchase a uh, one of their big gray. I, I really like things in gray, and they offer a couple of good colors. They've got a gray, hard-sided, rotomolded cooler, the big 50-quart one. It's cheaper than a Yeti, and it's bigger than the Yeti for the, uh, for the same sort of category of, of, of product. And uh, I think I'm going to get one for the back of my car, because we drive around in a minivan, we're always going to Costco, and whenever you got little kids, you guys know, you're always going to have some detour, something's going to take a little bit longer. I hate my frozen fruits not freezing or staying unfrozen, so we're going to go ahead and get one of those suckers too. So check them out. If there's something you're interested in there at Patriot Coolers, patriotcoolers.com, promo code Kyle, and if you spend more than 50 bucks, then you will end up with free shipping. All right, let's rock and roll. Ryan, topic number one, our friends over at the Justice Department, can't help themselves. Here we go. So we have three people that were just convicted of possibly the saddest and dumbest charges. I want to read this to you. Um, th this is people who have been convicted of a violation of 18 U.S.C. 248, the freedom of access to clinic entrances. Okay? And what it says is, 
whoever, this is a direct quote from the statute, whoever by force or threat of force or by physical obstruction, and that seems pretty pretty interesting because you know, if you're just sitting in the sidewalk, is that an obstruction? Mostly people who protest abortion clinics know better. Intentionally injures, intimidates, or interferes with, or attempts to injure, intimidate, or interfere with any person because that person is, or has been, or is in order to intimidate such a person or any class of persons from obtaining or providing reproductive health services. In theory, this would also cover crisis pregnancy centers, if you think about it. A reproductive health service could be that you want to get your baby born healthy and you want to be able to uh, put them up for adoption or you want to have them born healthy and keep them and you're looking for services. The, the FACE Act is one of these bizarre sort of compromises that happened where we had a bunch of uh, things outlawed so that nobody would be obstructed from going into an abortion clinic. But then it also it also adds something very interesting. It says that you cannot and you shall not intentionally damage, destroy the property, the facility, or attempt to do so, any property or facility that involves uh, reproductive health services, or intentionally damage or destroy the property of a place of religious worship. So 248 is the statute under 18 USC. 248A3 actually protects churches and mosques and synagogues. And think about the number. There's actually a running tally over our friends at Catholic Vote have one, a running tally of the number of facilities that have been endangered by crazy people, people like Jane's Revenge, and then also people who are just anti-Christian. They've destroyed Christian churches and Catholic churches specifically. They have an ongoing tally of the things that have been stolen or defaced in Catholic churches around this country. And that's also the case for Protestant churches, for evangelical churches. This happens all over the place. And do you hear the FBI going after them? Do you see anybody engaged in a pursuit running after them? What you're seeing on the screen right next to me is the public affairs office of the Justice Department saying that three defendants were convicted of federal civil rights conspiracy and FACE Act offenses for obstructing access to reproductive health facilities. All right. This is the Justice Department crowing over a victory, a victory that they were able to convict people in Washington, D.C. And what we're going to see, and I think this is going to be the thing that is going to be throughout this this uh, this episode today, you are going to see that where you are tried determines many ways the outcome of that trial. And that is not an American position. That is a fundamentally un-American position. So this is the DOJ's uh, for immediate release, this came out on Friday afternoon, so it was after our show on Friday, it says a federal jury convicted three defendants of charges of civil rights offenses in connection with an October 22nd, 2020 in, uh, invasion of a reproductive health facility in Washington, D.C. According to evidence presented at trial, there are three defendants, one from Arlington, Virginia, one from uh, Kingston, Massachusetts, and the other from Montauk, or, or Montauk uh, New Jersey. These are not... Super young people. Uh, this is Jonathan Darnell. He's 41 years old. He came from the local area. Gene Marshall, 73 years old out of Massachusetts. And Joan Bell, 74. Imagine saying that a 73 and a 74-year-old invaded something. I mean, just think about every woman you know in their 70s and how virile and strong they are and how able they are to keep people out of a reproductive health facility. The guy in his 40s, maybe that's a little bit of a different animal. But we're talking about people that supposedly participated in a clinic blockade. The language of this is so wild. And they were directed by another co-conspirator and it was broadcast on Facebook. Ooh, it was on Facebook. So people could see what was going on. They've, uh, they had 
a group there that forcefully entered the clinic. I think the word forcefully is massively overused and blockaded two clinics using their bodies. It's almost like the things we saw when people were blockading the Supreme Court, when people were blockading um, facilities for law enforcement to enter, buildings like that. I guess there's not a federal law there, but it should be troubling to you that we're going to have our Justice Department, a supposedly apolitical, uninterested party, and these people are facing 11 years in prison with three years of supervised probation afterwards and fines up to $350,000 for what would ostensibly be, again, a First Amendment protected civil liberty. Uh, they talk about the five other co-conspirators, ages 28 to 67. I'm just looking through the, uh, the act here. A number of other people, they're also awaiting trial. Some of them have already pled guilty. They've been sentenced to 10 months in prison. Jay Smith was a defendant who was facing that. The DOJ full on in to the FACE Act. And, and this is something that I saw when I was working for the Bureau in New Mexico. Now, New Mexico has recently come into focus. A lot of people are, are paying attention to it because of the way that it is uh, going after gun rights. But interestingly enough, and I think it's worth noting, the the crazy thing about what I saw in the FBI is, that, is they were... <laughs> They were prioritizing enforcement of the FACE Act as one of the domestic terrorism uh, priorities, the top three for a uh, state that had exactly two abortion clinics when I was working there in 2021 and 2022. They were exactly two. One of them was in Albuquerque. It was a surgical facility. I don't know that anybody was actually protesting it. And then the second one was in a place called uh, Anthony, which is down by the Texas, uh, Texas, New Mexico and Mexican border. It's kind of right uh, just north of El Paso. And it was a pill mill where they would actually just give out the morning after pill. And based on the idea that because Texas passed a heartbeat bill, they were going to have a ton more people seeking abortions in New Mexico. And therefore, there was obviously going to be violence, even though there was no history of violence there. That was the thing the FBI prioritized. This is a politically motivated situation. And it's really bad. It's bad and dangerous on many levels. Um, it, it leads into what we should be sort of looking at and why we need to be aware of our politicians saying the right things for the right reasons at the right times. It is a seriously problematic situation when we've got people like uh, Donald Trump, who is the lead Republican, the lead conservative, uh, going after um, you know the, the general election coming up in 2024. And instead, what we have is him saying, Exactly the wrong thing. This is a piece written by Catholic Vote. So we're going to read right out of their news feed. This came out, uh, what is it, yesterday on Sunday. And the uh, the article is entitled, Trump denounces Florida's pro-life heartbeat law as a terrible mistake. Now, we're going to play the interview, at least a little clip of the interview for you. But what I want you to think about is this. When the former president, who was ostensibly the most pro-life president um, in modern history, and uh, the first one to attend the, the March for Life, he was there on January 24th of 2020. I was in the crowd on that day, and I was impressed by the things he said. Even though I don't think uh, Donald Trump is necessarily a role model for anyone, he said the right things for the right people. And if you're going to be a guy who claims that you're not a politician, that you're someone who cares about American liberties, you care about the American people, and you care about the pro-life movement, and you care about doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do— and then you're going to come out and say something like he said on MSNBC. I think it's a real problem. I don't want somebody claiming not to be a politician to act in a political way. And it is it does look like he's tacking to try to grab people from the political left who are going to be a little bit more receptive to a, a nuanced position or a tolerant position on abortion. And the other problem is, is that I think he's simply going after it to try to own Ron DeSantis, which is even dumber. 
he should be ignoring Ron DeSantis. So I'm going to play the clip that we have here. This is video number one. Um, we'll play the clip. And then what I want to do is discuss why I think it's a major problem and how he could have said this better. And if somebody is, is advising Trump, they need to be getting him on board with this stuff. It's just not the way to go. Let's do uh, let's do video number one, Ryan. Coming at you. All right. Mr. President, I want to give voters who are going to be weighing in on this election yeah. a very clear sense of where I think, stand I on think this. they're all going to like me. I think both sides are going to like me. Let, let me what, but what's let Mr. going President, to have to happen is you're going to have to ask this question. Listen, please. you're asking me a question. What's going to happen is you're going to come up with a number of weeks or months. You're going to come up with a number that's going to make people happy because 92% of the Democrats don't want to see abortion after a certain period of time. If a federal ban landed on your desk, if you were reelected, would you sign it at 15? Are you talking about a complete ban? A ban at 15 weeks. Well, people, people are starting to think of 15 weeks. That seems to be a number that people are talking about right now. Would you sign that? Uh, uh, I would I would sit down with both sides and I'd negotiate something and we'll end up with peace on that issue for the first time in 52 years. Uh, I'm not going to say I would or I wouldn't. I mean, DeSantis is willing to sign a five-week and six-week ban. Would you support that? You think I, that I goes think what he far? did is a terrible thing and a terrible mistake. Nope. Nope to all that. All that is bad. That is a bad interview. That is a bad interview by someone who got baited in by a mainstream media hack and he showed himself unequal to the task. Let me tell you why. Number one, if you bill yourself as the most pro-life president in American history and then you're going to go and say, oh, what I want to do is just see is uh, 15 weeks. Some people think it's good. Some people think it's bad. What do you think, Mr. President? That's the important thing. What are principles that you're willing to stand on? And if you're not willing to stand on principles, and I, I understand that he, he spent his whole life as a Democrat. I don't actually think that uh, Donald Trump is necessarily a pro-life guy. I think he probably, in the moment when he's surrounded by people, he feels the vibe. He got up with Lila Rose, who's the president of Live Action, and spoke at that March for Life. But, uh, you know, now he's saying stuff like this. There's two ways you handle this. Number one, you put in people in the Supreme Court that did something fantastic with the Dobbs decision. They gave it back to the states. And that allowed for the first incremental progress on pro-life, anti-abortion positions in uh, the last 50 years. And that's an incredible thing to stand on. And if you're gonna stand on that record of I put in the best Supreme Court justices, then you better stand on that record. And the answer is this, they took that information, they looked at the case and they decided this is not a federal issue. So you don't get baited into something so stupid as saying that you're not sure if you would sign a 15-week abortion ban. If it lands on your desk, that means the majority of people in Congress and the Senate said, yes, those are the representatives of the people. The only reason you would veto it is if you had some serious constitutional issue there, and you do not. Now, that would probably get struck down based on what we saw in the Dobbs decision. So if he's not smart enough to pivot and say, the answer has already been decided and it has nothing to do with the office of the presidency, we have to be moving on from abortion. I'm fine with that because then you don't have any reason to be angry at Ron DeSantis. All you simply say is, well, you know, DeSantis did a six week ban. How do you feel about that? And the answer is very simple there. It's all really easy. This is easy political stuff that a smart person can move past. You just say, that is a state of Florida. The people of Florida put a governor in who signed a bill that the representatives wrote in that state. And that's what they're supposed to do. That is our republic at work. The end.
You get baited into a discussion of whether 15-week ban lands on your desk, would you ban abortion altogether, all these other things. Now you're playing on their game, and that shows that you are fundamentally incapable of grasping what's going on right now. I have a major problem with it. That doesn't mean Trump doesn't run away with this. I still think Donald Trump runs away with the primary and that he's going to do very well in the general if things are played in a fair way, which we have no expectation of being the case. But you cannot get baited into stupidity, and you certainly don't go out there and try to own somebody like a Ron DeSantis by making a fundamentally anti-pro-life statement and alienating pro-life Christians in this country, and honestly, anybody that cares about it. I listened to that video clip while I was carrying my three-week-old daughter, and that rang very, very weak and wrong. And so if people want this guy to continue and for him to be successful, he doesn't need to win over his base. He doesn't need to be saying that. He needs to be figuring out what it is of principle that is important to him and hammered home. I saw something that's really awful. I shared this with Ryan over the weekend. I don't have the graphic up, but it's not really relevant. It, it was an online poll that was done. I think there was like 15 or 1,800 respondents, so small sample size. But it talked about the uh, the issues that people are, are most concerned about in their, uh, their, their 2024 election cycle. And it was like, the things you'd expect, healthcare, inflation, the economy, jobs, those were all up in like the 15, 17, 18% of respondents said that was their most important issue. Only 7% of people said that pro-life issues or abortion in general was a number one issue for them to vote on. Okay, that's a, that makes it a fringe issue. But I think that it also tells us a little bit about the American people. Because when you get below that, below that category, gun control and uh, issues about firearms was only 5%. And then the worst thing, which my wife and I both honed in on, this is why she's my wife, we look at this thing, 2% of respondents said that civil liberties was something they really cared about in a big way. Civil liberties was only 2%? Only 2% of American respondents care? There it is. Look at that, Ryan. Ryan on the fly bringing it up. Inflation and prices, 17%. Scroll all the way down there, Ryan. Would you bring that up so we can see that 2% of people thought that uh, civil liberties were important. Civil rights was uh, at 6%, by the way. But civil liberties, your fundamental freedoms that the, the Constitution guarantees, is only 2%. And the government has been dramatically moving in on those. That is what the FACE Act is about. The FACE Act, you, in, and the way it's being enforced, is going after your First Amendment. That is a bad, bad day for us. What were you saying? You think, you think that poll is actually accurate? Do you think 10% of Americans actually to care about climate change and the environment, or is this just some made up fake poll? I think like, the things at the top and the things at the bottom actually do indicate something because they're on the extremes. I think the stuff in the middle might be ranked slightly differently. I don't know if those percentages are 100% accurate, but I do think that Americans in general do not look at civil liberties as being the number one thing that's going on in their mind. And that's, that's problematic. That should be problematic for all of us. It's really straightforward stuff. If you don't care about the, uh, the freedoms that you live under, then you're not going to demand it and you're not going to get it from your politicians. So uh, while we talk about that, let me throw something up real quick here. We want to say thanks to our buddies over uh, at the suspendables.com. It's the dash suspendables.com. If you leave the dash out, you'll get a hockey website. That's our friend Garrett O'Boyle. You can go to GOB Actual's website. It's the dash suspendables.com. You can find all the suspendables merch. You're probably going to see me on this show sporting some suspendables merch very soon. He said he is shipping it out this week. Uh, so stuff is starting to ship out and some of them are going to be getting to my house as well. Uh, we'll be modeling 
suspendables things. My favorite is a thing called the the Z special. We came up with this on kind of a whim. The Zelensky special. We kept seeing Zelensky going out there in that combat uh, sweater. And when he was doing so, the combat sweater basically has like the uh, the Ukrainian emblem right here in the middle of the chest. And then it's all OD green. So we made an OD green t-shirt that's got the suspendables badge right here under the neckline. And just in case any of you are in front of Congress and you're begging for billions of dollars of American taxpayer dollars, you might want to wear the suspendables Z special. Check them out. The dash suspendables dot com okay so I want one of those <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll get you some for two for sure there's definitely you're, you're like right across uh you know you're only a couple hundred miles away from that from the gob store so you know one of the problems with this stuff is that uh when you see a weaponized when you see a weaponized bureaucracy going after political opponents when they're going after people who are pro-life catholics pro-life evangelicals and so on then you also open up the door to some other really weird things that's going on. And and one of them, in this case, is going to be a story about a guy who supposedly may have been trying to assassinate RFK Jr. Now, I think RFK Jr. has been scaring the living hell out of the Democrat establishment. I think we can all kind of agree on that. If you'll bring up uh, topic number five for me, Ryan, what you're going to see here is we've got this, this dude who showed up and we've got a little bit of video of him being talked to by the uh, LAPD, I believe it was, that actually took him into custody. This is a story from Breitbart saying an armed man was arrested at this RFK Jr. event in Los Angeles. So yeah, LAPD. We got some little inside baseball saying that this guy was not being charged for uh, impersonating a, a federal officer. It's actually stated in the story that he would likely face charges for impersonating a police officer or federal agent. And uh, he's not. He's not being charged that way. He's simply being charged with a gun violation because he was concealing a weapon system. If you're looking on a Rumble channel, what you're seeing right now is a police officer from LAPD taking this guy into custody. He's got these sort of like combat looking, um, those look like Nikes. I used to know all the boots by, by profile. I don't remember them anymore, but they look like Nikes. They are uh, desert uh, tan colored boots, the, the suede uh, sort of standard for the military. He's wearing some pretty tight fitting, looks like airsoft pants. Those look like a uh, an airsoft copy of the real thing. Combat pants in OD green. And he's wearing a shirt. It's a navy blue shirt. I've actually got shirts like this that says EMS on it. Nobody knows why. And then he's wearing a shoulder holster, like a full crazy person. Like it might be Miami in the 1980s. He's got a, a black leather shoulder holster with a handgun on his left <laughs> and uh, some magazines on the right. I, I've never seen a federal agent carry. Most federal agencies will not let you carry uh, a holster that will have a weapon system pointed at somebody behind you. Because as you draw a shoulder holster, and I know they're really cool looking in cop movies, but they are the least tactical and probably the least safe for most people. When we do our handgun class, I'll, I'll, we'll talk about um, about holster selection, and, and zero times out of zero will I recommend that you choose to buy one of these, a shoulder holster. But apparently Alien Gear, which is a company I bought from, actually makes these things. So this guy's got this weird stuff on, and then he's got a badge on and some other stuff. And so he went into an RFK Jr. thing. The reason why this is really important is because as Politico reported in July, many of you guys will remember this, RFK Jr. was requesting a Secret Service protection detail, as you might in this scenario. He's running for uh, for for president. He has a very high profile. And you may or may not have, I don't know, like a couple of family members in the 1960s that were assassinated. They were actually killed while they were in office. Seems like a problem. His uncle, his dad, right? Maybe maybe we should be concerned about a guy that's actually had a, like a, a, a target on his back basically since he was born. And instead, what we're seeing is a denial of Secret Service protections by the Secret Service, which ostensibly would normally just rubber stamp this sort of thing. He definitely has the profile. They have no problem giving Secret Service details to people who deserve it and who fit minimum qualifications. And RFK Jr. totally does. Not to mention the fact that it would look really bad to have another Kennedy killed on our watch. I just think that. Uh, instead, 
we're going to have the Biden administration saying, well, this guy is running against us. So it would be really, be really tough for us to uh, validate his, uh, his candidacy. Uh, we've got a quote here from his campaign manager saying the American people, no matter their policies and their politics, will find this decision shocking and repugnant. So there's a two, two possibilities here with this scenario. Number one is, is that somebody literally showed up to try to kill RFK. Number two, he's just a weirdo. And he just showed up because he's a weirdo and there's weirdos everywhere. And they're in Los Angeles in, in flocks. Although showing up with a handgun in that sort of outfit is a little bit unusual, even for California, because there's just not nearly as many guns and far less people are willing to go carry them. Or number three, something uh, drummed up by the RFK, you know, the RFK candidacy. They wanted to make sure that they proved the point. All of these things are still bad. The visuals of it are pretty bad. Let's play a little video. I think we actually have a video of the guy getting arrested. This is going to be video number two. So let's pump that up on the screen, if you would, Ryan. Uh, let people get kind of an eyeball. I'm, I'm going to call one thing out to your attention. That's pretty weird. Hopefully you guys don't mind. I'm going to talk over it. So, because some of this has nothing in there. There, Go ahead and run the audio because there is one thing in there that's really weird, right? I'll just talk over it with the background noise. So the cops are, are sitting here showing. They're, they're calling it in. They've got him cuffed. He's standing very compliant. And, and as they, they fade him into view, you see a badge on his uh, on his belt on the right side. That's pretty normal. Normally he would have a holster there too. He's also carrying a badge around his neck that apparently looks like a U.S. Marshal's badge. Um, pretty clearly fake. Two different style badges on the same guy. That's a weird thing to do. Uh, nobody does that. Nobody would have two badges. So he's got a neck tattoo. Kind of looks like my friend Alpha Warrior, Alpha Luna. We have a bomb dog. So if you saw that right there, before you guys get into it, somebody off camera said officer, and he perked up and looked over at them. That had people online saying, oh, is this some kind of false flag operation? Is this guy really a cop? He does look the part. I mean, he's relatively fit, but not super fit. He, um, you know, he's got kind of the the outfit squared away, although the blouse boots is kind of a giveaway that he's a weirdo. And like I said, the EMS shirt, my, my instinct is that this guy is not actually a cop, but he he really does like to pretend that he is in, in real life. That's a game that he plays. This is part of his cosplay. He's got the cool guy shades. Anyway, just he's LARPing. He's, he's full LARPing. Yeah, the neck tattoos. There's not a lot of dudes in, in law enforcement that have neck tattoos outside of uh, DC Metro PD. Uh, the guys like that uh, Michael Fanone or whatever who who helped set up January 6th and went on a cry tour and got himself a uh, got himself a book deal over it. That guy looks like a felon. This guy looks like a felon, too. He's got neck tattoos. Like, I don't know. It's not to say that people who have neck tattoos are all felons. My neighbor, when I was in Virginia, had a neck tattoo and was not a felon. He was a really, really nice guy. So I should be better about not judging books by its color cover. But everything about that guy, he's got the, the tattoos on the knuckles. Not really easy or permissible when it comes to... Um, when it comes to to being in federal law enforcement, for sure. I would say that would be a first if that was the case. So anyway, he called himself out by being a weirdo. But we have legitimate threats of security issues going on. And um, and in the meantime, the Biden administration put in the kibosh on giving that guy a detail, which seems like a really, a really, really crazy thing to do. Um, I think it speaks a little bit about the, it speaks about the sort of waning credibility both the federal law enforcement that someone thought they could get away with it. If we'll play video number, I think it's video number three. You guys saw this last week. I did a debrief with Steve Friend, but I want to get deeper into why I think it continues to be relevant when people are out there in the federal system and doing stuff like this. If you'll play video three, we'll do a quick commentary on that. And I'm actually going to show you what a real set of FBI credentials looks like because we always try to bring you something of value in that, in that sphere. Let's do video three. And who were you with? FBI. You can't film it. You can see it, but you can't film it. Uh, yeah. Okay? 
You guys remember this one. Your name? My name is Russell Gooch. All right, so let's go ahead and pause it right there, Ryan, if you would. Investigator Kevin Thomas. Okay, so Kevin Thomas identifies himself as being with the Sheriff's Department. Uh, This is a group that is part of the JTTF in Atlanta. Here's what's really interesting. Russell Gooch is holding up some FBI credentials. I think I put those on for you. They are... um, They're uploaded in topic number eight, if you want to pop those things on, Ryan. So we've got a couple of pictures of the credentials, both from that video and the real deal. So if we throw those on the screen, give me a sec. Yeah, you guys are going to be able to see what they look like. The number one guy who says he's like, who are you with? And he goes, FBI, the fat guy with the belly that doesn't look like he belongs in a, uh, a federal agency. He's actually an investigator for the United States Treasury Department. He's not with the FBI at all. He's with the FBI's JTTF, which makes him a task force officer. But I would bet you that the investigator, Kevin Thomas, who's on the right-hand side of this video, is also probably on the JTTF. You have a mixture of state officials and local officials and and federal officials on these task force. So you'll get guys from the IRS. You'll get guys from the Secret Service. You'll get people from all over the place. This is the credentials. This guy's name, uh, and and if you follow Steve Friend on Twitter, you can actually see a whole breakdown on him. His his, uh, LinkedIn, because he's apparently ready for another job anytime. These are his credentials from the United States Treasury. Now, I looked at those immediately and knew that those were not FBI credentials. And if you threw that up in front of me, I would close the door on you right away. You should probably be doing that anyway. However, it's worth knowing what federal credentials do and don't look like. Those are not FBI credentials. Those are FBI credentials. If you're watching on our Rumble channel, you're seeing it right now. Definitely worth popping in there to be able to check these out. It's a it's a really quick breakdown. And then will you show mine on the, on the, uh, on the screen? Yeah, this will piss off the FBI security division. But this is Kyle Serafin's credentials. You can see right there, I, I just blocked out my signature. Up in the top right-hand side is the identifier that every federal agent for the FBI uses. Okay, you can see that those are the same thing. On the top right-hand side of the top fold of the panel is the credential number. In my case, mine was 26662. I would go by those credential numbers. If you are dealing with members of the FBI and you want to know an identifying number, you can ask them for their cred number. C-R-E-D, cred number. And the cred number is the way that we identify ourselves. Now Ryan's doing a great job throwing all three on the screen. And you can see the uh, FBI guy named uh, Russell Gooch. He obviously is carrying the same credentials that I had, obviously a little bit older, but that's okay. Um, You'll almost never see a credential set with a beard on it. (laughs) I'm showing you mine because it's probably one of the only ones you'll ever see with a beard. And the reason why is almost everybody in the FBI is lazy. And almost everybody thinks that once you're issued your credentials at Quantico, that those are the credentials you must keep for life. And in fact, there is an FBI policy that says you can get a new credential photo and have new credentials issued if there is a substantial change in your likeness. And when I started wearing a beard every day, which I did a couple of weeks into my uh, my career, because one of my colleagues came to me and said, we wear beards on the squad. And I said, well, I've never had a beard. And he said, well, we wear them. It's the last FU to management that they can't make a stop. I was like, oh, that makes sense. All right, I'm in. I was in for that right away. I was in for that starting in <laughs> December, January of my first year. I got assigned to the field office. I showed up in December and by January, I'm sporting a beard. So um, I ended up wearing a beard for my entire FBI time. And so I went and got a new set of credentials that represented the way that my face actually looked. You'll almost never see that. You'll almost always see a picture that looks very much older than the agent you're seeing. But seeing what a real set of credentials looks like is quite important, I think, because you'll have people that are like this dude with the double badge who's full of crap. And I guarantee you that guy wasn't carrying around anything that looked like legit credentials. Now, most of DOJ has a very similar set of credentials. ATF looks very similar. The Marshal Service also under DOJ has similar credentials. It's worth knowing that you should be able to ask and see upon, um, you know, 
interaction with a federal officer or federal agent that they have these credentials with their photograph and it should say who they are, what they are, what they're about. A credential number is almost always on the control list. Worth knowing on that. Ryan, what do you got for me, buddy? Do you have a right as a citizen if they show you your badge and you don't think it's legit? Like what if it was a fake FBI agent or you thought it was fake? Is there any way that you can have them, like you can call 911 and verify, is there an FBI agent at my house? How it's, do we know for sure? You can't. That's, and that's the real problem. So this is the real problem with the lack of accountability with your federal agencies. And this is why trust in the federal system has to be absolute because people have to know that people are doing reputable things and not going after people who are dealing with the FACE Act and not going after people who are protesting abortion in front of a clinic in a peaceful way while praying. That cannot be the way that they engage in this sort of thing. So unfortunately, you can call a sheriff's department and I encourage you to do so and just say, hey, there's somebody here. You know, They will try to validate it and they have different means. They may be able to call from the um, sheriff's department. They may be able to call from the local police and know somebody at the field office and be able to do that. They can give you a name. The only way that you'd really be able to check that is if they gave you a full name and they said, I'm this person, I'm Russell Gooch, and I'm from the Atlanta field office. You can look up the phone number for the Atlanta field office. You could call there and ask if they have a Russell Gooch who is now out there, would you ring him on his cell phone and patch me through to his cell phone? They actually do have the ability to do that on every FBI switchboard. That may be a technique to use. If they're coming to arrest you, they're going to come and arrest you. It won't matter. But if they're coming to talk to you and you want to validate who they are and you're going to do it on your, uh, on your personal camera and then you want to tag me on social media because I want to see that too, by all means. The other answer is this. If they yeah, claim to be feds, just don't, don't answer the door. You don't need to talk to these people. There's no upside that that guy had or you had other than you may be able to catch them in something shady. But the downside is that you're going to be talking to federal agents who are going to probably be doing something we're going to be talking about a little bit later. The uh, Wetmer, the Whitmer acquittal situation, because the, the, the FBI right now is so incentivized to go after counterterrorism targets. They're so, so incentivized to try to find a case on you whether it be for white supremacy or anti-government, anti-authority, that anything you say is going to be gone back. It's going to be not recorded because they don't wear body recorders. It's not going to be taped. So it's going to be whatever the agent's recollection, his perception, his individual bias that he brings to the to the uh, counter. Not everybody, and I keep it here on the, on the counter for a reason. Look, this is Kyle Serafin's recorder. This is my recording device that I used while I was in the FBI. I bought it with my own money. It was like 80 bucks. I went down to Office Max. There was no reimbursement. I held onto it and it's mine. And it continues to be mine. And I continue to use it for things like taping phone calls as needed. The reason why I bought my own is because the Bureau was really lazy about issuing these kind of things and they didn't have one for me. So I bought my own because I cared about taping conversations. I would literally say this. I'd like to tape this conversation. I'll give your, your defense attorney if it, it was uh, official, or I will give you a copy of it should you so choose. All you got to do is give me an address or an email address where you want it sent. I will mail you a copy of it. No charge. But I would like to tape this for your protection and for mine so that we both know what was said. Almost never, almost nobody has a problem with that. Everybody expects to be taped when they deal with law enforcement. Now, for whatever reason, the FBI, even though it's policy, if it's if it's feasible, the reason it's not feasible for them to tape interviews, and the reasons, and, and this like my buddy Alpha uh, Luna is shocked that they didn't tape the interactions that he had with them. The reason it's not feasible is because they don't have a recorder because they won't spend the money on it on themselves. It's absurd. It's truly absurd. But that's the bureau that we deal with right now. And like I said, they're so incentivized to go find something on you. There's no upside to you talking to them at all. There really is not. All right. Um, I want to say a uh, quick one. We're going to say thanks to our friends over at Catholic Vote. As you guys may imagine, I saw the loop this morning, and some of these articles are right in the loop. They are worth your time, 100% worth your time. So go to catholicvote.org, type in your email address, your zip code, and you can uh, sign up and get the loop in your email box every morning the way I do. I get mine at about 5 a.m., 
And there's a couple of really good stories in there that we're not going to cover today, but I think that you, uh, it's going to be worth your time. It's going to be worth your time to check into. And they have a lot of the stories that we're actually talking about today because they have a really good job curating a news feed. But the ones that I thought were most important, which states are going to protect churches from new COVID rules? As many of you guys know, we've talked about the fact that we're probably going to see things like masking happening. We're going to see some new lockdowns. We obviously see some tyrannical stuff going on in New Mexico where they're looking at uh, shutting down your Second Amendment rights. But that First Amendment right to gather, to worship, to petition, these things are going to be probably limited by new COVID restrictions coming down the pipe. And uh, Catholic Dote does a vote, rather, does a really good job of covering a story that you're going to want to know about where you are protected, where you're not, and what you should be doing with your state legislators, getting after it and letting them know, hey, I got a real problem here, folks. Can you please keep this, uh, can you keep us posted? And then of course, they also have that running tally of the different places that have been uh, attacked and are not being investigated for violations of the FACE Act that are not being protected under what you'd expect. Again, catholicvote.org, America's top advocacy group for Catholics, but also they are leading the fight for faith, family, and freedom. You can always donate to them as well if you like. They, uh, they keep us going in, uh, in this house and we're really grateful for what they do and what they are. So let's continue onward. We're going to be marching down this sort of tyrannical situation. And there are two things that were happening. Now, like I said, if you pick, we used to say that if you pick your doctor, you pick your diagnosis. In many ways right now, if you pick your jurisdiction, you will pick your outcome. And that doesn't seem very good. Now, it works real well for those of us who are in Texas. We're going to pull up a little story here about uh, the attorney general. And I want to, I'm going to cover the way the story was covered. Ken Paxton was acquitted. On Friday, those of us who were watching it live saw this. This is a, uh, a little headline from the Texas Tribune, the so-called nonpartisan Texas Tribune. Thank God they're out there reporting in a nonpartisan way. And it says, uh, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton was acquitted of all 16 articles of impeachment. The conviction required 21 of the 30 eligible senators to vote for it. They did not. They could not get the numbers. No article received more than 14 votes. And only two of the 19, I want you to listen to this, only two of the 19 Republican senators, Bob Nichols from Jacksonville and Kelly Hancock from North Richland Hills, which is outside of Dallas, those are the only two Republicans who voted in favor of the articles of impeachment. Why did any Republicans get involved in this? Now, the only way that this got into the Senate in the first place is because Republicans in the House basically staged a coup against Ken Paxton. This picture right here, you can see him smiling. He's got his attorneys on his left and his right. Ken Paxton is the guy that's wearing that red tie right down the middle. And he has been an absolutely pit bull-like attack dog going after the Biden administration. And so in order to defend the status quo, they, they sidelined him because when he was impeached, he was actually pulled out of office and was unable to continue the work of the attorney general for the people of Texas, despite the fact that he was elected. There's also kind of a scandal going on because Ken Paxton, you can, uh, you can pull the headline down, I guess, or throw it to the side if you want. Ken Paxton, um, his wife is actually in state office. She was actually a member of the House. She was duly elected by, uh, by a constituency and then was unable to vote either for or against and so she had to be sitting on the sidelines and she was in the audience when this happened. Here's what I want you to look at, though. The so-called nonpartisan, apolitical Texas Tribune, which we all know is a leftist organization because they're based out of Austin. I'm going to read something to you that, that tweaked me just a little bit. And when you, uh, when you read this stuff, you should be knowing, well, like, what am, I, what am I seeing here? What is the, what is the bias of the publication? And, and all publications have some bias. If you're reading Breitbart or Daily Wire, you know they're conservative slanted. Uh, Texas Tribune claims to be nonpartisan, but this is about three quarters of the way down. They said association with scandal has not appeared to chasten Paxton. 
who has often claimed that he's being persecuted by political opponents. I just want you to take a deep breath and digest that. He's not chastened by the association with scandal. The association with scandal, by the way, was unproven. He was actually just acquitted. They just reported on it being acquitted. But then you go down the little way here and it says, um, nor has it dissuaded voters who reelected him as recently as 2022, picking him over three, uh, over three prominent primary challengers, including then land commissioner George P. Bush, a relative in the Bush clan. So voters were not dissuaded. He's not chastened. The, the language is all negative. It's all negative, and it's saying, why has he not? They're, they're implying that he should have been chastened, that being impeached should have made him reflect on what was going on. This is the same kind of stuff they did to Trump, right? When they, when they impeached him, he wasn't even a little bit put back. He wasn't even a little bit slowed down, Donald Trump, by being, um, by being attacked with these indictments that he was, when he was uh, impeached. And the same situation, Paxton doesn't care. And the reason why is because they were ridiculous. Now, we can pivot a little bit differently and you go read what Breitbart had to say on there. I didn't put all the articles up. It's not worth seeing that. But it just said the Texas Senate voted that Attorney General Kenneth Warren Paxton Jr. should be acquitted. The majority vote on each article on his impeachment was for acquittal. And the senators voted to dismiss the four remaining impeachment articles and adjourn for the session. That's how you reported in sort of a non-biased way. That's just the facts. They didn't vote to to uh, convict him. They voted to acquit him. Game over. The juries had to decide whether the suspended attorney general committed every element in each article of impeachment and also whether Paxton should be removed from office. So each one of these had a, do a two-fold process. Was he guilty and should he be removed? And the answer was no across the board on all 16 and they dismissed four. Okay. But Adam, so, but Adam Kissinger said he's guilty. Adam Kissinger, <laughs> the new the new guy who put that back up on the board here. Look at this. Adam Kissinger, you guys know he was in the, in Congress in Illinois. Um, Slava Ukraini is his uh, is his subtitle because this guy is a simp for Ukraine trying to send more and more billions of your dollars. He's a military veteran, so we'll give him his credit for that. But he's a clown. And he said, as a new Texan, I will do my best to work against these enablers of corruption. Ken Paxson is guilty. Well, number one, Adam. No, he's not. So cry harder. Cry yourself a little Ukrainian-shaped flag. If you've never seen, there's this really, really goofy um, sort of like meme of, of Adam. He's laying on the floor and he's peeing himself, which comes out in a pool of yellow, and he's crying a bunch of tears, which he famously did over Ukraine, which is a pool of, of blue. And so the blue and the yellow is the Ukrainian uh, flag. You're, you're showing your search history there. Right. I could see your search on the screen. But, you know, Adam's a clown. And he said, as a new Texan, anybody who's from Texas, anybody who's ever been to Texas knows that you don't get to be called a Texan simply because you showed up in Texas. I like to tell people that I'm a naturalized Texan because I moved here when I was pretty young. My dad has a, a certificate from Governor Ann Richards going back a long way saying he's an honorary Texan. It's on his wall uh, in his uh, ready room. And it's one of the great sort of pieces of seraphim family lore that the, the governor of Texas declared that, you know, him and all of his descendants to be honorary Texans. You get naturalized to being in Texas if you're not born here. Texas is not like everywhere else. You just show up, move in, and it's like, oh, I'm a Californian. I live in California. Not so much, my friends. Texas is something else. There's Adam. There's Adam peeing himself in and crying himself into a Ukrainian flag. Really gross stuff. But it's really important to note that when you pick your area, and thank God, the, uh, the members of the uh, Texas Senate were able to go out there and do the job that they were supposed to do, which is to keep this guy who was duly elected multiple times now by the people of Texas and let him do his freaking job of getting back to business and suing the Biden administration. Now, we could pivot that pretty dramatically to what goes on when you start looking at uh, a different little place. Now, here's another 
There's another acquittal that just happened. What topic is this one for us? This is going to be topic number 10. If you want to pull up this Daily Wire reporting, okay? Daily Wire is telling us three men were found not guilty. They were acquitted in the Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping plot. Did you guys know that this was still going on? Because it is. The story is still ongoing. Now, I've got a couple of different stories here. I've got one from Daily Wire, and then I've got another one that's uh, popping in from CNN. And I'm going to tell you why I think this stuff is so important. We're going to actually talk about sort of the Fed napping nature of these things um, and how, how these things kind of go wrong. But in this case, we had three more people that were acquitted finally after all this time. This was going back to 2020. October of 2020, the FBI had arrested 13 men suspected of orchestrating a plot to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer and overthrow the state government. This is the claim the FBI made. Roughly half the group belonged to an organization called uh, the Wolverine Watchmen of those uh, 13. What we also found out is that uh, roughly three quarters of the people that were involved in this were all federal informants or undercover FBI agents. So that should be a problem. Six of the men were charged in the federal court. Another seven were charged with state crimes. So this is what happens when you have uh, federal charges. If you can't get them on, on good fed charges, if you cannot indict them under these things, then you go after them in state. And so they still had FBI agents involved in these cases. People who were at the trial actually said that the FBI agents walked out and they looked like someone had kicked their dog because they lost. They were really hanging their hat on this thing. And what we saw is that an actual jury of their peers under a reasonable set of statutes were able to find them not guilty. These three men were uh, were released. And they have been basically facing uh, uh, most of their life in prison for the last three years. Imagine that, October to almost October right now. Pretty awful. The guy's names, Eric Molitor, uh, Bill Knoll, and Michael Knoll, not Michael Knowles, but Michael Knoll, N-U-L-L, were found not guilty by the jury on Friday. Some of the other guys were actually sentenced in federal court, 19 years and seven months. Adam Fox was sentenced to uh, 16 years. Joseph Morrison was given a 10 to 20 year sentence. Um, so these guys were convicted in the Fed system. Pretty bizarre, pretty sad. And I want you to throw your, your mind back and then we'll see what, uh, what CNN had to say here because they were crying about this. Uh, they had a picture. This is where actually our, our, our major piece comes forward. The major picture from our thumbnail was, was from the CNN article. It says three acquitted in the final trial, the Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping plot. Uh, they said that they were acquitted on one count of providing material support for a terrorist act and possessing a firearm while committing or attempting to commit a felony. It's just always interesting the way that they put these things up. They didn't talk about the fact that the feds were so deep in it. They talk about how all the allegations, which were proved false, they were not they were not substantiating the actual crime. That's what they're going to focus in on. So they're going to talk about how, you know, they were they were alleged to have uh, conducted surveillance and trying to find the vacation home and all this other stuff. They didn't talk about how the reconnaissance mission for that um for that vacation cottage was in fact led and coordinated and driven by FBI informants and FBI agents that were undercover. That's just another story here. But I want you to, to, to think about this. We've got a video. This goes back a little ways. These videos are troubling. Uh, video number four, Ryan, if you're ready to show that. This is something that happened in Garland, Texas. This happened quite a bit ago. There was a Draw Muhammad contest. Many of you guys will remember this. I think this goes back to like 2016, 2017. And if you can play the video, we're going to have some commentary on, on what we need to be aware of. Go ahead and uh, play video number four of the Garland shooting reporting. Court records raise new questions about an undercover agent. Good evening. I'm Clarice Tinsley. First on Fox News at 530. The undercover FBI agent spent months infiltrating ISIS sympathizers who wanted to wage terror. His mission brought him to the Curtis Caldwell Center in Garland on May 3rd, 2015. It was the night two gunmen tried to shoot their way into a controversial Muslim cartoon contest. Now, the attackers were killed, but not because of the undercover agent. And that's raised many questions. 
Fox Force Sean Rabb has the story. Suspicion surrounds the undercover FBI agent who did not engage Elmer Simpson and Nadir Sufi as they opened fire. So it's pretty clear that from day one, the, the intent was to encourage some kind of action uh, at the Garland Event Center. Houston attorney Trenton Roberts represents Garland ISD security officer Bruce Joyner wounded in the shootout. Days before the attack, the undercover FBI agent was communicating with gunman Elmer Simpson, telling him to tear up Texas. It does look like his intent was to document a terrorist attack in order to advance himself within the terrorist organization of ISIS. Seconds before the shooting, the same undercover agent took pictures of the south entrance to the Colwell Center where the shootout went down. These are black and white reproductions from the court record. In FBI documents, the unidentified agent says he saw the shooters get out of their car right in front of him, the driver holding an assault rifle and raising it up, and he heard many shots fired. The agent quickly drove away. I see V Gun in the chat saying that the FBI is doing the self-licking lollipop routine. We call it the self-licking ice cream cone, but it's the same concept. Uh, the, the, this thing is existing because it needs to exist because it justifies funding. And that's what we're talking about in this case. We're talking about the FBI has been doing this for quite a long time. This goes back at least to 20, 2006. Uh, I encourage you guys to go out and see the movie Police State, the new Dinesh D'Souza film. We actually go through and uh, cover down on a number of these types of um, these plots that the FBI basically creates out of whole cloth, inspires people to go carry them out in order to justify more funding. This is a post 9-11 world where they were looking for counterterrorism funding and they found it. And this is just one more example. Imagine if somebody had actually been injured inside that uh, that convention center because the agent had encouraged these people to go, quote unquote, tear up Texas, had followed them all the way there, was outside the facility and actually documented where they were going in, knew what the plot was, took pictures of these guys stepping outside with AKs. And then that security guard who worked for the school district had not stepped up and killed them with a revolver, no less. He killed them with a revolver. You gotta love people in Texas, man. People in Texas do not screw around when it comes to guys from ISIS trying to come in. They knew this was coming. I mean, this was obviously felt like a setup for these ISIS guys, but here's the problem. The Bureau was complicit in it all the way, in the same way that it happened in Whitner. And that's a 13-year, you know, you go all the way back to 20, 2006, you move forward to 2020. We're talking about a 14-year gap, and it continues to happen. And many of us have the instinct that there were parts of January 6th that were also set up in the same way. This is a big deal. In our chat, we're going to thank uh, Eric Jason for putting up another Rumble rant on here saying smash the like button. Yeah, folks, if you like what you're hearing, by all means, hit the like down on this video. Share it with your friends if you want to. It's going to be on Twitter. It'll be on Facebook. It's on YouTube for all uh, one person that's watching it. No, 13 people. Hi, hi, people on YouTube. We're being censored there. It's okay. 13 of you are seeing us. That's pretty funny. Of the 2,000 followers or so that we have on the channel, uh, always pretty amusing. However, let it be known that this kind of instigation and then trying to basically collect the reward money on the back end of it is very, very common. It's really scary stuff and it can't happen. And when you do that, you get us into a scenario where we have some pretty awful, um, pretty awful feelings in the country. And now I think the political left is actually starting to embrace them as well. We have a, a video here from Nicole Wallace. So yet another MSNBC. I apologize to you guys. It's video number five. I want you guys to watch this and listen to the rhetoric and the language that's being used. It is the massive gaslighting, because if anybody thinks that the political right is the one that is moving this along, I think you're out of your damn minds. I will say that uh, unequivocally, you are out of your damn minds. However, let's go ahead and do a video number five. Let's roll it. We'll reflect on it in just a second here. Uh, people say privately all the time and not on TV all very often, something really bad is going to happen. 
Okay, shit's about to hit the fan in this country. Fox News had to veer away from a lunatic spewing hatred and death threats for Democratic officials in New York because of the migrant mm. caucus. Everyone is on, uh, I don't even know the word. Everyone is knows that we're walking into something hideous and no one will do anything. Yeah. I refuse to believe that nothing can be done. These are people getting their information in part because of the vacuum being created by people with, I don't even know if we call it a spine anymore. That might be an insult to spines. But there are still people out there with followings. He can go out and, and here's, here's what I want to ask you. Yeah. When something happens, what do you want to be able to tell your kids and grandkids you did? You good with nothing? You're good with, I didn't do anything because I didn't think anyone would listen to me. Trump tweeted something mean about me someday because you did something. I tried to do something. Where are all of the Republicans who still have little slivers of a following in the cesspool that is the MAGA base? Well, look, all of the red lights are blinking about what is about to happen. And I think that's what makes what Jack Smith is doing so important, because he's saying, OK, um, right now, you know, this is a stress test for the entire criminal justice system. Look, the Republicans are not going to step up. They are not going to raise their hands. We know that Mitch McConnell is not going to come out of his bunker and say what he said after January 6th. But what I think was so powerful about this document, which I've just skimmed, is the way that Jack Smith basically sounds all of those alarms and says, look, this is not just theoretical. Look what he has done in the past. Look what he is doing right now. And I know that the word you know, gag order is going to be thrown around a lot. But what he's really saying is that Donald Trump needs to be held to the same standard of of, that any other criminal defendant would be held to, but also to alert the court to the extent of this campaign to discredit and attack and demean judges and jurors and prosecutors to discredit the entire process. This is not just one trial among any. Donald Trump is not just one defendant among any. This Go is a former right president there. of the United States. Who <laughs> so I want you to listen to the double speak. He said he should be treated like any other criminal defendant anywhere. That is just what should happen. He should just be treated like a regular man. And then right after that, he takes a deep breath, says they're using it to discredit the process, which we've always said on this show, the process is the punishment. They've self-discredited. There's no reason for you to trust it. But then he says, you know, he's uh, he's unlike anything else that's out there in the system. The whole point is you can't take away people's First Amendment liberties. There is no provision of the Constitution that says if we don't like what you're saying, then we can stop you. If we don't like who's carrying guns, then we don't let you carry them. If there's a public health emergency, then we can suspend elements of your civil liberties. And that's why I see such a massive problem with the fact that only 2% of those respondents, it doesn't matter if it's 2 or 5 or 8%, if only less than 1 in 10 of you is, is very concerned about civil liberties and who you're voting for on the ballot based on that, then we are screwed. We are absolutely screwed as a country. I am fully behind this woman getting out and saying that she thinks, quote unquote, shit is about to hit the fan, which I'm surprised they didn't bleep that out. And the fact, I mean, they're, they're getting a little bit uh, wild with the uh, the FCC, I guess. They're going to run the line there. But if they're not worried about saying that and she's telling you that, you're, that the there's a cesspool of the MAGA base and only a small number of people with a following are not speaking up. Let me speak up as someone who has a little bit of a following. I have a little bit of a following. It's not huge, but it's some. I'm buying ammunition. I'm buying guns. I'm partnering with gun companies. I'm doing training. I do dry fire drills. I'm buying freaking plastic weapons to teach my kids how to safely handle guns. And they're three, sorry, they're two, four, and six years old because that's what's important to me because I think we are coming into some very hard times. 
The idea that I talk to my friends like George Hill, who don't even have the uh, the assurances that we're going to have an election in 2024 of any kind, that scares the hell out of me. It should scare the hell out of you. And this lady going out there knowing that this is coming and trying to foment violence, which is what this is really coming down to. She's basically trying to justify the eventual crackdown on people's civil liberties. If you don't think that's what's been happening, you're not paying attention to what the political left says. They are now acknowledging that it's coming down the line. It's coming at us. It's coming out for all of us. We're all going to be in the same pool. So, you know, get yourself ready. You'd be foolish not to. Prepare yourself. Tucker Carlson did a really great job of expressing kind of like a contempt for this. We got a short video that will play this and we'll wrap this sucker up today. Uh, Tucker Carlson for about, let's just do about like 80 or 90 seconds of this video, Ryan. Uh, give people a little taste. There's a reason why he's the best at what he does. And he's he's the best even off the cuff. He doesn't even need to have a, a script. He doesn't need to be in front of a camera. He could just be up in front of a bunch of people. I've watched him do it for like an hour with just no notes. Just crushes it. Because what is what is in his head is true. It's obvious and it's real. Go ahead and give me video number six. Roll it. That's the truth. Take a look at the priorities of the low IQ lunatic who's running your state. Gretchen Whitmer, who deserves zero respect, no respect. Her priorities are what? Putting you in jail if you, quote, misgender somebody? What percentage of the population of the state of Michigan, even southeastern Michigan, is on board with that as a top concern? It's like roughly around a tenth of one percent, okay, in that range. The things that people care about, Gretchen Whitmer couldn't care less about. Because democracy isn't functioning. If democracy was functioning in America, in Michigan, in California, the District of Columbia, where I live, the state of Maine, any, the state of Texas, how many Texans do you think are all on board with letting seven million people cross into their state illegally? What percentage? Zero. Zero. I don't care what your race or national origin. Nobody is for that. That's insane. All right, let's cut it there because I want to actually add one more thing to it, Ryan. To stop that? No. The <laughs> so, yes, he goes on and, and badmouths Greg Abbott, which is actually amusing for those of us who live in Texas. And, uh, and I think there are, there are some serious problems. There's one more video that I actually saw. This was like one of the craziest things. I think Ryan sent me this over the weekend. I watched it and I just stewed about it. But it's worth noting. He just said, uh, are people interested in the gender ideology being part of the criminal code? No, I don't think anybody cares. I think his numbers are correct. Maybe one in 100 cares about that sort of thing. It's such a small number. Uh, maybe less than that. Maybe one in 1,000. But uh, I think people are concerned about uh, people coming across the border. And we don't talk about the civil liberties very much. One of them that doesn't get talked about very much is the Third Amendment, the Quartering Act. Uh, it's the response to the Quartering Act, which says that the federal government cannot put people in your homes, particularly soldiers. What do you think the people that are streaming over our border look like? They are military-aged males, overwhelmingly coming here for economic freedom or whatever else. But there's some real serious questions about who the hell they are. We did an entire episode called Who Do We Let In with Aaron Stevenson, DHS whistleblower. So you can go back and I would refer you to that. Let's uh, let's play video number seven because this is in Massachusetts, but this is coming to a state near you. Anytime you bust all these people, look at all these dudes out here. When you bust these people into the United States in places where they have uh, sanctuary cities, and they want to theoretically be uh, open-hearted and kind, and they want to let all these people in, this is where you're going to end up with number seven. First, it starts with we're asking you. Next, it's going to be we're telling you. That's the way these things always work out. Let's play video number seven. Go ahead and roll that one for me. Most importantly, if you have an extra room or suite in your home, please consider hosting a family. Safe housing and shelter is our most pressing need. Become a sponsor family. You can contact the Brazilian Worker Center for more information on how you can step up if you're willing to have 
an additional family be part of your family. If you're a local official, a college president, a business owner or a faith leader with an available building or space in your community, please work with us to offer it as a shelter site. If you're a social service provider, please consider becoming an emergency assistance homeless shelter provider. Our resources are stretched thin there as well. And if you're a hotel or a motel owner, consider opening it up for emergency assistance. If you're a landlord or a property owner, we can use you to connect you with service providers to help transition families into permanent housing. <laughs> Everyone has something they can offer. Yeah. Everyone has something they can offer. It's called your tax dollars paid for that situation. And then these people abused your tax dollars. And now they want to go ahead and take the things that are your private property that are outside of it. Not only are you paying for your own invasion, but now you need to house the invading group. Uh, the, the absurdity of this. All I want to say is when I was in the military, we always had an idea, a lead from the front. I want to know how many people these people are sheltering in their extra bathroom, in their guest house, in their Airbnb that they own. Let me know. Uh, you come forward and tell me and tell me how compassionate I should be based on the example you're setting. These people are disgusting. They are trying to destroy this country and they are doing so in pretty good order, maybe because we don't care about our civil liberties nearly enough and we're more interested in inflation or the economy. That's not maybe where the government needs to be. The economy will take care of itself if the government stays the hell out of it, which is the whole point of what our civil liberties are about. That's where we're going to wrap it up for today. We got a, a pretty interesting week coming up, folks. So if you're not following the channel, please uh, make sure you subscribe. Uh, if you want to actually, I guess you could follow the channel on Rumble is what we do. Subscribers, I see you guys all in the live chat are highlighted in red. Thank you so much for all of our monthly subscribers, 25 or so of you who've decided to support our channel. We didn't ask for it, but it's really cool that you did. And uh, now we get to see that you have highlighted chats as you come in through the Rumble uh, the Rumble portal. If you are watching us anywhere else, you can always see us live on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin, which is the Kyle Serafin Show, streamed from Liberty Hill, Texas at 0930 Eastern Time, 830 here in Texas, America, where Adam Kinzinger is not a Texan. He is not a Texan, folks. Uh, you can always follow us on social media at Kyle Serafin on pretty much all the platforms that you might want to do so. True Social on Twitter on Facebook and on uh, on Instagram, all those things. And uh, I want to thanks for all of you who are our live chatters who are going in and filling up our five-star reviews on Apple. It makes a big difference. We're almost up to 700. We're just a few shy right now. So let's do today's. This is from Truckee117, The Real American Heroes, Stunning Investigations and in How the Deep State is Trying to Control the Country. As a former Leo, that's a law enforcement officer, I have worked and trained with guys like Kyle who are the real deal. It's not just Kyle's opinion. He comes with the proof and the facts like a real investigator would. And at Truckee 117, I know him from Twitter. Folks, uh, these these five-star reviews really do make a big difference. They actually do bump us up, and we really are appreciative of you guys taking the time to fill them out. I will read yours on the show when you put yours on the list. You can give it just a five-star with nothing, but if you leave us a nice long review, we'll happily read them and, uh, and thank you for it. So thanks for being part of that. The show continues to grow because of you guys. Share it where you go. Follow Ryan Matta. Thanks for him for producing today's show. He's always great. You can see him at 2 p.m. on LFA TV here on Rumble. And don't forget, don't forget to like it. It needs to say a green thumbs up as you leave. Folks, we will see you again tomorrow. I hope you have a great day. Thanks for listening to The Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays on rumble.com slash kyleserafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter and True Social at Kyle Serafin.